Welcome back to the Terror Express, our Friday the 13th franchise discussions with myself and Jimmy Presley. Hello, Jimmy. Are you ready to go to Manhattan? Yeah, let's go. It's always been my kind of town. <laughs> and you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Um, of course, the, the course the cast of Jason Takes Manhattan didn't really make it there. They ended up somewhere in Canada. But let's let's yeah. <laughs> let's let's uh, move into a little bit of uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight. Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, let's let's start a little bit at the very beginning. Before we see the movie, we see advertisements, posters, trailers. Let's let's talk a little bit about the trailer and the poster before we dive into this movie here. Uh, what is your take on the trailer? The first time you saw it. It's, uh, you know, I, I remember laying, like I mentioned in a previous episode, I guess the first one we talked about, I was scared of Mrs. Voorhees being under my bed. Um, I was laying on the floor waiting for her to show up under my bed, and I, I look over at my TV trying to go to sleep, not off during the late show, I guess, and they play that trailer. And I know I'd, I'd rather you describe the trailer. You're so good at it. We've talked about it before, but um, I, when I, I did love the ahead. trailer. No, go yeah. ahead. You finish. You finish. Uh, it was just so shocking to me that I, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I mentioned this uh, to you between, I guess, between recordings, but I didn't even know seven had come out. But then I saw this trailer for part eight. But skip ahead. OK, there's going to be an eight. I mean, I literally like with Jaws of Revenge being a, a seven and then I guess a nine year old for Jason takes Manhattan. I ran in there. Jumped on my parents' bed, like, well, there's got to be another Jason movie. So I didn't know there was a part seven. We got to get that. <laughs> you know, I was excited, man. It was a great trailer. Yeah, yeah, it was a great trailer. And I remember the first time I saw the trailer, it was, you had no idea it was going to be a Friday the 13th movie. I remember it was Jason. Of course, you didn't know it was Jason. His back was to the camera. You know, he's a it's just someone standing there watching, you know, the view of New York standing there watching the skyline of New York. It's dark out. The buildings are lit up skyscrapers and the camera is slowly panning into this man just standing there with his back to you. And you're hearing the song. If I can make it there, you know, I'll make it anywhere. It's up to you. You know, the New York, the New York song was playing. I'm not going to sing because I'm definitely not a singer, but <laughs> that would be the most terrifying thing about this episode if I did. But uh, anyway, anyway, so the, the camera pans in on this man standing there and then he just he turns around really fast. He's got the mask on, you know, right away it's Jason. He's holding the machete. And I believe that's when the Harry Manfredini, you know, oh, yeah. and then it, and then it, it it jumps to a couple quick flashes of the movie and there's a scene where I know there's a subway scene that doesn't even take place in the movie. I think it was just actors for the trailer, but then it shows JJ screaming and then Jason bringing down the broken mirror shard that he actually killed Tamara with. So it looked like he was killing JJ with the broken mirror. And I just remember I was so excited about this trailer. It was like, it was like the best thing ever. And uh, I saw the movie in the drive-in movie theater as a double feature. Uh, it was playing back to back with the movie shag with phoebe cates and robert rustler and so i sat through manhattan sat through shag sat through manhattan a second time so i saw it twice in that that night i wasn't let down uh, i know a lot of people were i loved it you know i mean i was a hardcore jason fan i would take whatever i could get whether it be in new york crystal lake hell elm street or canada <laughs> yeah same here man <laughs> 
and, and then you've got your movie poster. Oh yeah. Um, the original poster was the I Heart New York logo with Jason slashing through it, but I think Paramount was uh, had to pull it because they did couldn't get the rights to use that image. So um, was, there's a threat of threat of a lawsuit from New York, uh, right. the, the owners of that logo. So they had to change it and into the poster, which has become my favorite poster of the franchise with Jason holding the knife over the buildings of New York and you've got the beautiful colors and you've got the the great looking mask and his black gloves and reflection yeah. in the water. I think it's just, it's become my favorite poster of the franchise. Yeah, mine too. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It grabs you. I remember seeing it on the video shelf and in the movie theaters. And every time I walk by, even when I look at my Blu-ray, it's just like that one really just, it stands out. I like the old yeah. posters, but that one was like, wow, it grabs yeah. you. It did. It does. It still does. Definitely. Yeah. So there's a couple questions of um, part eight. Let's actually just start talking about the movie now. That's what our listeners are are hoping that we can stop discussing the poster and the ads. But <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get into talking about the movie here. Um, we mentioned Melissa in part seven and how Tamara kind of mirrored Melissa. Literally. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think of uh, Tamara's character? It, she was like I said in part seven, where you you knew you couldn't stand her. She annoyed you. She's one of those people that I would have turned away from, and it still would in real life. And she wasn't polarizing like Melissa, like Susan Jennifer right. Solon mm-hmm. was. So it was like, okay, can we get this over with? You know. <laughs> and so when it finally <laughs> happened, I was like, okay, good. I don't have to listen to that anymore. Right, right. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, I, she was very, she was definitely very conniving. She knew Rennie couldn't swim, and she still, I mean, she pushed her overboard, and she did it in front of with Dr. Van Dusen and Charles and Eva. And you know, she's like, "Oh, my bad." So she, I think, she was definitely worse off than Melissa. I think in the in a bitch contest, I think I would have to vote for Tamara. <laughs> Melissa was out just to hurt people so she could get something she wanted. Tamara was just out to hurt people. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. And then, but then you put her with someone like Eva. Eva's a sweetheart. Eva had final girl potential. What a contrast to put Tamara and Eva together. And it, but mm-hmm. even Eva, I don't think really cared till Tam even cared for Tamara until you know there was an emergency. Then she's like, oh, I should probably go find my friend. But she really yeah, didn't want to have yeah. anything to do with her until that point. But no, she. Uh, I like that character. I think she's underrated and they didn't film her a lot but just for the few moments you could tell she was she had a different personality and yeah i don't know yeah i like i like the cast of part eight you i mean you got some great characters you've got dr van van Hoosen, you've got julius you've got um sean sean's kind of on borderline with sean i think he was he was a decent character he's definitely pretty on the eyes um and then you've got some of some of the New York characters. I like the the waitress in New York who says "Welcome to New York." You know, I mean, it's got some <laughs> yep. it's got some great throwaway characters. I think that make make some fun moments. Um, who's your favorite character in Part Eight, and why? Uh, I love Barbara Bing and Miss Van Dusen. I that character was there, and she was really supportive of Rennie when yeah. Rennie was not so sure about herself. Miss Van Dusen was always there to kind of lift her up and obviously yes. she'd had the experience when she was a child and which we'll get into i'm sure but yeah miss van Dusen, she was just great all around 
Yeah, I think she's toward the top of my list, but I, I'm going to go with Eva, played by Kelly, who I think Eva was, like I said, she had that final girl potential. And in oh, the, yeah. the few movies before that, uh, at least part seven, we didn't really have too many girls who were final girl material. Yeah. Um, since part six with, you know, like Paula and Sissy, but now we're part seven where it was more more bitchy, catty characters. And so oh, yeah. Eva, Eva comes along and it kind of, puts us back in that oh look another another lovable character uh so I, I i'd have to go with eva for that reason you know she was on scholarship and she was smart and she didn't want to partake in the 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 coke and you know she was you could tell she was truly disgusted at tamra's behavior when she bumped Renny overboard oh yeah yeah i like her yeah I, I did too and it and it was also the last movie um that we got in the franchise during the 80s you know the 80s was the golden golden era for horror and jason michael and freddie led that that genre so i mean this was the last this was the last jason of the 80s so it was you know it's still paramount gold for that reason whether it's oh, a good movie or a bad movie or a good movie with bad music or a great movie with a fantastic opening theme song uh, <laughs> that plays also at the end credits. You gotta love that that theme song that they play in the beginning. The darkest side of the night. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a fantastic song. I do. I love that. I have it on my phone right now, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> now we we talked a little bit about the mask in part six, and you know the 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 theory of where it came from, uh, maybe. Tommy may have created it, but where did Jimmy get the mask when he, the mask that he wore to scare Susie with? Where did that mask come from? What's your theory on that? I know there's no written proof or scene in the movie or anything, but where do you think that may have come from? I think it's real quick for me. It's just, it's a throwaway theory, I guess. But I think mm -hmm. at this point, Jason's legend was so big around the area that maybe they were selling them or people were making them or had them. He did. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. He knew they were going to go through Crystal Lake to get to the river that led to the Lazarus <laughs> ship. So he got right, scared right. stick with it. Yeah, that's it. Simple. And it's it's funny you mentioned the Lazarus when you talk about um, if you're biblical, obviously you're going to know the story of Lazarus and how he was risen from the dead. And here's Jason who has been dead and risen from the dead so many times. And now he's aboard a ship yeah. called Lazarus. How how ironic, well, right? You know that yeah. that had to be a little nod at laughter. It's a great sense of humor. Whoever wrote that. Oh yeah. yeah. So now, now uh, Harry Manfredini is gone. We have Fred Mullen who is doing the music. He's solo on this movie, and we talked about the dark side of the night. As far as the the atmospheric music, the sound, the soundtrack, um, Jason's theme songs, and what do you what do you think uh, now without Manfredini. God, I, I hope he forgives me, but honestly, I find the music in that movie highly forgettable. I just, I cannot think of one theme in that movie other than the classic Ki 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 Ma 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 or the, the Darkest yeah. Southern Night. That's all I hear. Yeah. And, and, that's... and I don't think it, I don't think it was the Ki Ki Mama on this one. I think it was the, um, in the beginning with the Paramount logo, you get Jason. It's J. Jason. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. You're exactly right. I think you're spot on. It really doesn't do it that much throughout the film. So no, it really doesn't. Yeah. But um, I I feel like it was a ninety minute episode of Friday the Thirteenth series. Like maybe this episode was 
a cursed ship. And the yeah. we just didn't get to see the main characters of the series make it to the ship on time to claim it. You're right. I, I could so, see I guess, that easily. That's what I felt like with the music. Definitely had a Friday the 13th vibe going because obviously it's Jason knocking off teenagers one on one by one, but um it it didn't it didn't feel like a Friday the 13th soundtrack and I think another thing that I really missed about it was the machete. So mm-hmm. we're we're stolen from us our music and our machete. So yeah. I mean, he he has some great ways of killing people, you know, some really unique and uh, one of a kind ways of dispersing our characters, you know. But it just, I don't know, it wasn't, it wasn't. Yeah, he's got to have the machete. In it. I mean, right, you got a wood axe, not the right, fire. Right, axe. I'm being yeah, silly. Right, yeah. right, the, the fire axe. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many different axes. It's there are. It's, 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 it's like a, it's just a pain in the axe. It's. <laughs> Double sided axes, fire axes, wood axes. Uh, I'm sure Jason's <laughs> used them all, or Roy. You know, between the two of them, he really have even hatchets. <laughs> I think maybe not. I don't know. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a hatchet? Yeah. I don't know. That one I'm not sure of. I don't um, either. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. we were so we were talking about the music, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, as you were talking about, I do want to say real quick when she's remembering. Yeah. The little boy Jason moment. There's this little theme that kind of plays as everything's fading into that scene. I, I did like that theme. They played it a few yeah. times during the movie. I did like that. Yeah, yeah. And we got obviously we got Kane Hodder back. Oh, you know what I did like also. I want before I forget in the beginning with Susie and uh, Jimmy, the yep. cabins in the background. Oh, so yeah. We got a little bit of Camp Crystal Lake in part eight. We got a little, a little uh, teaser. A, a cameo appearance, if you will, of, of Crystal Lake with the captain. So that was yeah. that was kind of cool. But um, it was. I, I like the beginning where um, he's revived with the anchor pulling like the power line, which is kind of yeah. the opposite of the end of Jaws too. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And you see the dock pieces of the dock piling around him, mm-hmm. like where he died at the end of seven, or was pulled back in by Tina's, you know, risen father. I. I like those little details like that they left yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I did too. It was good seeing Kane come back. Um, this is the movie where he he made it a point to make sure that he wasn't. Actually, I think part seven is where he started this, but he continued it in part eight. He wouldn't look at the ground when he walked. He made it a point to look straight ahead and know where he was stepping, so he wouldn't have to look down because he didn't want Jason to look down. Yeah, and this exactly. the scene. I think this really plays the most obviously in a creepy way is when he's going down to the boiler to kill JJ, who is my second favorite character in part eight. I love JJ, but I think when he's going down the stairs to kill her and he's, he's looking straight ahead. I think that's, that's, it does add to the creep factor. It does. And those stairs were almost straight up and down like a ladder. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yep. You know, but it, it didn't take long before he, uh, took that flying v and clocked her clocked her and knocked her out but uh i like some of the kills in part eight there's quite a few of them actually i think were really good i liked when wayne found jj i thought that her the top of her head looked really gnarly but when jason killed wayne i think wayne's not my favorite we'll get to that in a minute but he is one of my 
favorites in part eight. I just like the way he he got electrocuted and the the fire caught and uh, he was burning. I think I had mentioned in our part three conversation that I thought Chuck's death was my least favorite because the electrocution was so so corny and tacky. I think the part eight with Wayne, I think it it totally made up for the corniness of part three. It was it was fantastically done. Oh yeah, it was. Every time I see his jeans burning, I'm thinking, my yeah. God. And you his know, hand, his hand yeah. is like, is that a mask or is that someone laying there with like a, a fire suit under his clothes? But I'm pretty sure it's definitely a mask. It just looks really good. They did a great job. Yeah, that. they did. And um, that, of course, that's that's the beginning of the demise of the Lazarus. Um, what a lot of people are. This is this is the conversation. This is the uh, dilemma or the controversy, if you will. The amount of students on the ship. Because we're trying to get a death count for part eight. And a lot of people are not concise with the amount of number of students and uh, crew of the ship at any given time. And when they, when you look at the credits, it doesn't give you a list of names of students. Because, you know, you can go at least count how many people could have been on the ship. They all end up in a certain room. The flood hits and they just they go down with the ship. They drown. Jason wow. doesn't kill them, but they drown. There's got to be at least a dozen other students on that ship that are not killed by Jason. Right. What would you guess would be the number of kids and other crew on the ship that you think may have lost their lives besides what we see on screen? Yeah, I'd say at least a dozen. Like you said, I always said between 12 and 20. I remember going through it and try to count them on the yeah. rails at the start when the ship's taken off, you know. And Yeah, but I, I, seems it, like I, I think it. It seems like you you see you see more each time you watch it. Like, oh, I didn't see that one back there. There's a little crowd back there, and it's, oh, is that Kim Myers from Night Rum Street too? No, it can't be her. <laughs> you know, because yeah, exactly. it looks like her. <laughs> oh yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure if that were Kim Myers, she would have had at least a little line. <laughs> oh, I hope so. I love her. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, one of I, every time I watch, it, I think that looks like her, but I don't think it's it's definitely not her. But but anyway. So, yeah, I think there's probably a dozen or so that went down on the ship that was indirectly related to Jason being there, mm -hmm. which would which would top the 22 deaths of part five. And I don't know how many part six and seven have, but I just I know part five had a lot at the time that it came out. But I think part eight definitely topped it. Yeah, I do. Sure. Consider that. Yeah. So let me ask you now, this is the part where we get to talk about our favorite and our least favorite who in part. Eight Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight Jason takes Manhattan. I just I like saying full title because it just rolls off the tongue so nicely here. Um, Jason takes Canada. What is your favorite death in in this installment? I I, I went through this a lot, and my and my favorite death. Uh, it's honestly a tie. I always go back and forth between the. I guess the the druggy. I don't want to say druggy. The junky. I don't know what's mm -hmm. the right word Did, nowadays. Probably, um, probably, I'll probably say the the sub the sober sober challenged <laughs> sobriety sober. challenged the sobriety challenge the sobriety challenged individual the junkie. <laughs> yes. I'll say this: the guy that had the syringe in the alley. Yeah, and the way he gets stabbed from behind with his syringe and it goes all the way through, I like that. But it's tied with me probably with Julius, just because he put up such a good fight. It didn't yeah. do nothing, to Jason, and then yeah. the block gets knocked off. So yeah, yeah, those are probably my two, Todd. Yeah, I like I like 
I like the uh, Julius. That's definitely iconic. But my favorite death in Part Eight is Eva, which uh-huh. is which is pretty horrible for me to say, considering she was also my favorite character in Part Eight. But uh-huh. you don't get too many deaths in this franchise where Jason kills them hands on. I thought yeah. the scene was very personal. Her death was very personal. He he drained her with his hands and he's always used a weapon uh, for most of his victims. I know there's like Ben from part eight, he smashed his head. There's a few, but just the way he had eye contact with her and the way he disposed of her like a rag doll, which also oh, was, yeah. I have to say was a, a fantastic uh, performance from the stunt person there. Oh gosh. Gotcha. The she landed, but I, there's something about Eva's death. I find it horrific because it's so personal. It was, and the sound effects of him choking her that they added in, yeah. the throat being crushed. I just, I, I, I cringe when I watch that. Bless her heart, you know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, yes. There's characters in Part Eight that I think are. It's sad when you see them go, like, like Eva and JJ. But uh, what's your least favorite death in Part Eight? Uh, you know, we talked about this in a conversation not too long ago. I thought Miss Van Dusen did. Had the worst death. I mean, the car crashes, it catches fire. She's knocked out, and it is, it explodes. And she didn't get killed by Jason, at least. But I, I hated that for her. And I thought it was kind of. I have to say, it's my least, just because of the character and and the way the it kind of happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My I will have to go with my least favorite death would probably be the the uh, the guy the the crazy Ralph of Part Eight. Jason's alive on board the ship, and you're all gonna die. I thought the fire axe was that the fire axe, double bladed axe, or wood axe, or the hatchet, the the red fire axe <laughs> in the back. I thought just when he when he went down, the axe was so shaky it looked like a plastic prop was taped to his back. I just didn't like the way it looked. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was hokey at best, yeah, and little. It wasn't even far enough in him. I mean, it was in the spine, granted, but it just. It, Jason probably would drive that thing all the way through him, as we saw in a later movie. But yeah, now <laughs> I will. I do want to give a little, give a little shout out here to teleportation, Jason. That uh, <laughs> I don't know the character's name because he is not a, a core character. He's kind of like just supporting. But when he's climbing up that uh, the thing in the, on the ship, and it's like Jason just standing at the bottom watching him, and the guy's climbing and climbing and climbing, and then all of a sudden Jason's just right there grabbing him. It's like, how did he do that? Yeah, hey, take it some, to the video game, right? You know, he, he could teleport in the video game. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Terror Talk on the Terror Express. Jimmy, it's always a pleasure having you back on here. Uh, I think you're you're a great conversationalist. Your knowledge of the Friday the 13th films and horror in general is, is vast and absolutely impressive. And I'm honored to call you my horror brother. Same here, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, it's the same. The feeling is completely mutual. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, and also, I'd like to say, um, Charles McCullough, Part Eight, when he got dumped in the bucket, that was Ooh, the death yeah. scene that was well deserved. That was the Melissa of that part exactly. Eight. It was. It was great. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, again, thank you for joining us, listeners. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back with. Friday the 13th, 2009, very soon. Jimmy, have a great evening. All right, you too.